With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In fact, speaking of the Super Contest, if you want to get involved in the Westgate Super Contest, the Circa Million, the Golden Nugget Ultimate Football Challenge, the William Hill Pick'em, you can do that. But if you don't live in the state of Nevada, you will have to have a proxy that puts in your picks for you. Vegas, Maddie, and Tony over at footballcontest.com do an outstanding job. They've been great for us. They've been great for a lot of people out there. They have a big portion of the contest entries under their proxy services. So you want to go with the best. That is Maddie and Tony over at footballcontest.com. Let them know that we sent you from the Bang the Book Radio podcast. They'll make sure to take good care of you as they've taken very good care of us over the years. We got one more guest and one more segment left for this first full week of shows on Bang the Book Radio. That is Brent, the head risk manager down at DSI Sportsbook in what I presume is sunny and beautiful Costa Rica. Brent, how's it going today, man? Everything going good. Uh, sunny, yeah, it is actually right now. We are um, in what they call rainy season, but it's interesting down here. Like, There's basically two seasons. You got dry season and you got wet season. So we're in wet season right now, but still, it's like every day you're talking you know, 25 to 28 degrees Celsius every day basically until around 3 o'clock, and then around 3, 3.30, the rain starts to roll in. But it's nice that you can kind of count on having a nice sunny morning even in quote-unquote winter season. Well, we got plenty of things to talk about here today, and and let's go ahead and start by explaining what you do as a head risk manager down there. I'm sure a lot of people want to get a perspective from the other side of the counter, and we'll be doing that throughout the season here, looking at sharp action for college football in the NFL, looking at the movement of lines, stuff like that. What what do you do down there at DSI, Brent? Yeah, and really, like I mean, we used to call things like bookmakers and stuff like that, which is really kind of like gives the impression of you're just you're just taking care of books. But the reality is that what we do now is managing risk for the company. Um, you do that both on a game by game basis in terms of looking at your exposure, um, how you know how much money is risked on one side versus another. We also do that on you know risk management on a player level as well. You want to be able to identify your sharper customers as quickly as possible. Use that those guys to your advantage as well. Um, and, and book off of them is something that we do. There are other books out there who will simply try and balance the books in terms of having as much money weighted on side A as you have on side B, and they move the numbers regardless of, of risk of a number falling to do that. Whereas we kind of we kind of like let the sharps guide us and try to take a stand in terms of, okay, the sharps are going this way, the public's going the other way. I think long-term the sharps is going to win, and we're going to hold a position and not be exposed too much. Now, 
again, that all comes down to, you know, you numbers come into play, obviously, when you're talking football and stuff like that, the, the most key numbers being three and seven. So, you know, you, you maybe wouldn't be so, you know, shy to move off a number like from, say, four and a half to five or to five and a half and stuff like that. But you definitely would be shy to move off a number of three. And that's where your, your juice kind of comes involved. So, um, you know, it, it's a decision making process that we have on a, on a game by game basis. And, and it goes real fast here. Um, you're taking a look at who bet the money, you know, whether it was a sharp, sharp guy, um, a guy you haven't figured out yet. You also have to look at the market and where the market is right now, where the market seems to be going. You kind of want to read the tea leaves a bit. And it's also, you know, a dollar value, how much a guy bet and how sharp he is. Now, you may have a, a real sharp guy who kind of tries to fly under the radar and bet small, say like, like, a, like a nickel on a football game, or you've got guys who will bet up to five dimes on a football game and not be sharp. So you got to take all those things into account. And it's really, I mean, it's, it's just changes. Every single day you come up with different things, which is kind of why I, you know, I, I love this industry. Well, and something I want to focus on a little bit here, you know, the, the term risk manager in and of itself has a different connotation depending on the sports book that you're looking at because – some places aren't willing to take a whole lot of risk. Some places won't take a lot of that sharp money. They'll very heavily limit a lot of customers that are out there. So maybe they have a little bit more of a conservative risk profile. How would you sort of classify the risk profile down at DSI? I mean, are you guys pretty aggressive? As you mentioned, you know, you want to take that sharp information and use it to your benefit as opposed to tell those people, no, thanks, we don't want it. Yeah, there definitely are books out there who, who, like I said, will will want to balance the action almost at at any cost, and in regardless of, of of numbers and how far they've moved, they they've got you know their business model is simply put: if I get enough money wagered on Team A and Team B, I collect a little commission, and just that kind of overrides the amount of times that the game might land. That's just the philosophy that they have uh, in house here. We definitely like to be kind of guided by the the sharps and kind of hold prices based on where we think the sharp money is or where we know the sharp money is and we'll let a number you know a number in terms of a dollar value run off on us if if you know that's the case we are very aggressive in terms of standing and taking a position however i mean like every every sports book out there will also take a look at sharp guys and and perhaps you know uh, lower their limits and stuff like that which is just kind of standard business practice and even sharp guys at this point they they kind of expect that and almost know it they'll come in the front door and you know it's almost like if you don't identify them early they're going to be kind of suspicious of what's going on so when a guy who's really really sharp you know what you would consider a professional better when he gets his limits dropped a little bit he's content with that because he knows he's going to win long term and he knows he's going to get paid all right so as we talk a little bit more about this side of the business on the other side of the counter i mean how much do you sort of put your opinion into it you know because you've done this for a long time so i would assume that you can generally identify the sharp sides before the action even starts to come in, you just kind of have that feeling, have that inkling. Do you let that come into play or do you just take the money as it comes? Mostly just take the money as it comes. But yeah, I mean, I've been behind this counter long enough to kind of get a feel for for games that you think are going to run off where, where the pub is going one way and you just kind of get that, you just get a feeling. And basically, as, as you said, that's pretty much what it is. You get a feeling when money's going to come back the other way. Um, you'll see that a lot with, uh, you know, NFL games, obviously, but numbers going to, you know, been running up from like, say, five and a half and you're, you're still getting money one side and it seems like it's all, you know, heavy action, square money going one way, looking at your wager counts and stuff like that. And you just, you just kind of get that feeling that if you ever touch seven, boom, you're going to get a sharp bet 
back right away. Sometimes you want to hold off and maybe let someone else take that bet. Other times, maybe you'll go up to seven, and as soon as you get a bet back, boom, you move back down. And usually, it's a more aggressive move when the sharp sharp guys come in. But yeah, it's you can kind of look out there and just look at your counts and stuff like that, and get a real a, a real feel for where things are going, where you need to be in terms of your pricing. Now, one of the things about offshore sports books that's a lot different from just about every brick and mortar sports book. I think the South Point in Las Vegas is the only one that operates 24 hours a day. That's obviously standard operating procedure when you talk about the offshore market. So what does a typical workload look like for you where, you know, you guys could get sharp action at 3 a.m. You can get it at 3 p.m. You could get it, you know, right before kickoff. What, what sort of workload do you have and, and how do you sort of share responsibilities there? Yeah, we're, I mean, we're a 24 hour shop, of course. So we have staff 24 hours as well. So we do have like a, you know, people at night who are watching the lines and watching the tickers as they come in. Um, we do have, you know, on our, our we have what's called a, a bet ticker here, where which every sports book has, where you see the, the bets come in identified by wager amount, by account number. And we also have like flags for sharp customers and stuff like that. So you can identify things, you know, even the, the night guy is able to pick that up, take a look at the market and make a decision on, on, on that end. Um, you have to keep in mind, too we've got events going on you know all around the world in terms of you know where, whether it's tennis uh golf soccer matches basketball what have you so it's just i mean the market is just so immense these days you have to have 24-hour support and you have to have sharp people working the nights as well well i think that that's maybe a little bit of a misnomer here you know we think about sharp action in in football and basketball you know the primary uh, north american sports but I mean, sharp betters certainly exist in golf and even markets probably like snooker or rugby or something like that. You know, there's there's sharp guys all over the place. So do you handle all of the sports, Brent? I, I just don't have the capacity to do that. Yeah, it, it would be too much to do all that. So, yeah, we, ha- we do have to rely on, on other people who kind of look at the you know they have a bit of more expertise in those kind of markets um one of the things we do obviously is you know run top player reports on a daily basis see who won the most money for that day as well uh look at where they are what they want on stuff like that and it's interesting like you think of you know one of those the, the flags you get sometimes are you'll have a guy who's you know coming to you out of poland and he's betting WNBA second halves stuff like that is like okay something's going on here right so you kind of identify those things right away um markets like as you touched on like you know tennis snooker what have you there's there's guys who are are sharp and all that kind of stuff so just again it's the same same process in terms of managing a risk identifying those guys as early as possible and either using their action if if the you know the market is is liquid enough or limiting them if you have to all right so we'll take a look here at the process and look at some of the games that may have been impacted here so far and Let's take a general overall look at college football first. We've got week zero coming up, a couple of games this weekend, obviously a bunch of games in week one here. Was there anything from a future standpoint in college football that stood out at all? Um, not really. I mean, you, you kind of got your, your usual suspects in terms of the, you know, the college football markets. Um, our highest exposure, really, in terms of dollar amounts, really, would be on, on Utah, which uh, may be a, a bit, bit of surprise. Um, Count-wise, in terms of the most bet we've taken future-wise, um, I think was on uh, – what the heck it was? Uh, the highest bet count, yeah, was on Georgia. Uh, Georgia, and the second highest was Michigan. Now, you know, those aren't surprising. You're talking brand-name teams. Obviously, you know, Alabama and, and Clemson teams like that are going to get their support, and they certainly do. But in terms of the pricing, right, you always – you know, you have to look at value. And Clemson and, and Alabama, with the, what they've done in recent years, are such heavy favorites, so you're not going to find a whole lot of value. Um, you're not going to find a whole lot of sharp action on them 
either. Um, Ohio State comes in on, in on third or fourth in terms of the pricing. We've got Georgia uh, down a bit because of the exposure we've taken on them. So um, just looking at college football in, in all, because of our highest bet count is on Georgia, we've got a, you know, a decent exposure there. But like I said, the, the biggest one um, is down there on Utah. Um, LSU's taking decent action, Miami, Florida, Utah, and, and Michigan again. So those are where our, our kind of our, our biggest risks are. And uh, yeah, we're kind of comfortable with that. You, you, we kind of right now, if things will go the way they are, we've got Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State all on our side. Florida's on our side, so it's a decent spot for us. And like I said, you know, I, I, the value's just kind of gone out of this market, I think, because there's just so much, you know, so much consistency in terms of the Alabamas, Clemson, Ohio States, Georgias, Michigans, all that, you know, of the world these days. All right, so we don't actually have any sharp action to talk about for week zero, but I think that that's an okay thing because we can kind of talk about what you're looking for in terms of bet counts, dollar amounts, all that type of stuff here. So we start with game 291, 292. And by the way, for our listeners out there that are following along, we're always going to go by rotation order on this show. So if you've got your odds screen open, make sure you've got it sorted by rotation number. That's the way they do it in the industry. It's the way we'll do it here, not just on this segment, but also on all the segments across Bang the Book Radio. But Florida and Miami, what are you seeing from this game here where, look, these are two brand-name teams and a football-starved market. I imagine the action's pretty good here. Yeah, it's it's very good action. It's 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 really good. I mean, so much more than the other game on uh, week zero, as you refer to it, which is the Arizona Hawaii game. May not you know not a marquee matchup, but you've got two two really good teams here. I mean, the the Battle of Florida, if you will. I guess Florida State would probably argue about that. But um, you know, you look at the market and the pricing. The the initial numbers did open, I think, at like eight and a half and eight. Uh, most books are down like seven minus one fifteen or seven and a half dog fifteen. So it's pretty consistent out there in terms of the pricing. What I've seen here personally, um, you know, even though the market has dropped in terms of the, you know, the consistent pricing, I do have a bet count almost, you know, two to one, twice as many bets favoring Florida. Um, you know, all season long, you'll hear me talk about bet count, which is the actual individual number of bets I've taken. So I've got twice as many bets uh, going that way in favor of Florida. And my risk obviously is on, on Florida as well. So what would necessitate a move? You know, because a lot of people out there are probably thinking, okay, well, you've got two times the number of tickets on Florida and obviously a little bit of money on the Florida side as well. Why wouldn't you go down a little bit with that line? Yeah, I mean, right now I'm looking at, you know, in-house I'm using, we got seven minus 15 or seven off dog 15, which is pretty much, you know, around the same thing there. So, um, you know, this number for us is kind of fortunate that we, we, we opened and got most of our action on Florida minus seven. So your your only real risk is the number landing seven if you get two-way action, if you get it at seven and seven and a half per se. If this number had opened, say, you know, when we were talking about risk management earlier, this number had opened at six and a half, I'd be a little more, you know, hesitant to get off seven. But seven and a half is out on the market. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of consistent with the market, either seven and a half dog 15 or seven uh, minus 15 or seven minus 20. And again, we still got time for this one to go um, you know, on Saturday, I think we're going to get a ton of action on the day of the game. There's still people right now, and you got to think about, you know, people managing their own bankroll as well. A lot of customers out there, you know, they may like a game. They may see a number and say, oh, okay, I, I think that number's been, you know, it's been up long enough. It's going to hold where it is. So even though I like Florida minus 7, minus 15, I'm going to hold off because I've got the NFL action this weekend that I want to bet on first on Thursday and Friday. All right, so we take a look here at game 293, 294, Arizona and Hawaii. What are you looking at here in this one, Brent? Yeah, this one's, uh, I mean, I've, I've got a count uh, two to one favoring Hawaii and the number dropping. So it's kind of interesting, you know, just 
kind of for your listeners to, to look for through the course of the season is you're talking about the the Florida game where the line has actually gone from say eight and a half down to seven minus fifteen. Yet I, I in store have twice as many bets on Florida, so it's kind of like doesn't make sense. Why is the number going down if you got more bets on that side? That's usually an indication. I, I'm not saying it is in this case, but usually through the course of the season you might find that that sharp money which drives that we'll find a lot of those those spots where we'll we'll identify as sharp and public splits as the season goes on. Um, this one's a, a different case in that you've got twice as much money money in terms of the bet count on Hawaii, and the number has gone down corresponding to that. So I've got twice as many bets uh, on Hawaii. Um, you see the bet count uh, on the over, the same thing, about twice as many bets towards the over. We see this one open 71.5 and up to 73.5 as well. So that, again, is consistent with the market. So I've got more bets on the dog and the over, and the market's moved in favor of the dog and the over. All right, so let's illustrate a few games with some sharp action here. As we look ahead to week one, and we will have Brent on again uh, we record this segment on Thursday evenings for Friday's show. So hopefully we don't get a bunch of sharp action that comes in and drives these lines around after we talk about them. If it happens, it happens. And that just kind of is the way it is. But let's talk about the impact of sharp action here. Looking at game 149-150, Wisconsin and South Florida. This is a late game. Well, an evening game next Friday. What happened here and what did you do as a result? Yeah, this one, I mean, it opened, I think the earliest opening number was Wisconsin minus nine and a half. Uh, my first action came on this one uh, on Wisconsin minus 10. I got and that was sharp money that came there. So I got Miss Wisconsin money, sharp money minus 10. Uh, we moved that up a full point to 11. It just kind of kept on coming with public money as well. I took another sharp bet actually on Wisconsin and minus 12. So I got two sharp bets on Wisconsin, which you, you kind of hate the first week of the season to have that kind of action. Um, I did take it at 10 and 12. We're at 13 and a half right now. So it's kind of, you know, in terms of the the sharp and public going the same way, this is one of those spots where you've got you know both on the same side here with Wisconsin playing South Florida in, in you know what you call week one, if you will. So as we look at this game, the listeners out there are probably wondering, okay, if you're getting sharp and public money on Wisconsin, why haven't you just gone to plus fourteen yet and tried to get some of it to come back? Yeah, I mean, part of it is that it's early. The other part is just kind of respecting the market and kind of like if, if there was a whole lot of value at 13 and a half for the Sharps, they would have grabbed it. You want to be the first guys who go to 14 and get bet right away. And how much dollar value are you really at risk? So right now it's not a, a massive enough position for us to have to need to move to 14. I'm not in, you know, as bad of a spot for the people who who opened at, say, nine and a half and the game lands 10. You know, you kind of want to avoid that situation, obviously. But we're kind of comfortable right now with the moves that we've made from 10 to 12. I mean, 12 is you don't think is much of a risk number. 13 and a half, if we can kind of if we can balance at 13 and a half, we'll be fine and take that sharp action that we took at 10 and 12 and hope we don't get, you know, get 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 uh, bit by that one but you, you kind of just kind of go with the market as well and, and again it's a bit early and how much you want to you know move based on the position you have we are obviously you know uh, you know more than a week away from this game so we have so much time for things to happen and this move you know move to come back down the thing too is when you take money at 12 let's say this number drops down to 13 maybe drops down to 12 and a half you can maybe you know seems like you've already taken some bets at 13 and 13 and a half you can maybe stay a half point ahead of the market because you've always take already taken action on that side well and another thing to mention here too you know as you said this game is still about a week out limits are still relatively low because we're so far in advance of the game and limits have been low over the course of the summer so that's another thing that our listeners have to keep in mind here and this is really largely unique to week one and the bowl season but that's something else to factor in the equation here and and obviously you know this i'm saying this for the listeners benefit 
is that early in the week limits are lower. You're going to get a lot more of that money as we get closer to kickoff. So you don't want to make too many aggressive moves early in the process. Yeah, you definitely, if you don't need to go to a number, you kind of want to avoid that. Again, that's, this is a situation where we're looking at bets at 10 and 12. You really don't want to go to a number like 14 and kind of be expo- exposed with, you know, four points in between there. So you, you kind of sit back and watch the market. Again, you know, you look at kind of what was the rationale in opening the nine and a half somewhere else as well. Uh, maybe the market just kind of got away. Like I said, I do have public money going with this as well. So the last sharp bet I took is at 12, and the public's dri- driven it up from 12 to 13 and a half. Maybe it's going to come back and you know a little bit. You kind of don't know if you know sharps are kind of out there lurking, waiting to see a 14 and grab that back or not. So you, you said if, if if this was like the day of the game, we might be a little more aggressive. But again, depends on the dollar amount and exposure we have. All right, so as we look at some sharp action here for Saturday, we've got an interesting one game, 161-162. The first game on the board here, Florida Atlantic takes on Ohio State. Some interesting sharp action here in this one. Yeah, I mean, you kind of hate when you've got sharp action on a, on a price like Ohio State. And again, you know, sharps will find value wherever they find value, and they're really not about, you know, adverse to laying high numbers. They did in this case as well. The number did open market-wide at 24. I got bet by Sharps at minus 25 or at 27.5 as well. And this is, you know, a case if you if you kind of get in the mind of the Sharps, it might see, you know, I think the right number on this game is 28.5, just throwing the number out there. So if they can lay 24.5 or 25, they're going to do that. They, they, they're they going with what they think the right number is. And obviously, you know, a powerhouse like Ohio State, probably going to, you know, week one, probably going to want to make a big showing is what the public's thinking, and they're kind of tailing that as well. So I've got not a, a ton of public money on this one, mostly sharp money at the 25. I've kind of just crept up with the market. We kind of hung on 27 for a bit and then saw everyone else go to 27.5. So you get into a spot where, you know, I kind of wanted to hold on to 27 after taking the money at 25. But if the market goes up, then all of a sudden you're offering, a, you know, a better price than anyone else on Ohio State on a side that you're already exposed to. So in a case like that, you simply have to go with the market. All right, one more game to talk about here for Sharp Action. And once again, once we get some more higher limit bets in here, we'll have plenty of stuff to talk about on next week's show as well. But game 163-164, we moved down one spot here. Another non-conference game with a big number, South Alabama and Nebraska. We're looking at the total here in this one, though. Yeah, it's kind of an ugly correlation in that you've got Nebraska side opening at 32. It's gone up to 36 right now. And the total as well has gone from 63 up to 64.5 or 65. So it's you know kind of a, a correlation in terms of the side and the total uh, there and I've got sharp money on the over in this one that came at 64 now it hasn't moved a whole lot I, I've only gone up to 65 and there is some 64 and a half I, I see you know someone using 64 and a half minus 115 which I don't know I, I just prefer move right up to the number so we're sitting at 65 on that uh, sharp money did come in on, on on the over there and again if the in a case like this we would probably be as high as what the highest number is out in the market right now at 65 and again we've got so much time before you know before game time I don't have to be overly aggressive with the move Now, when we talk about profiling sharp players, you know, are you looking when you get sharp action on a total, is that a guy that's exclusively flagged for totals or is that just somebody who you know is kind of a long term winner overall in college football? In this case, it's it's a guy who's a long-term winner overall, but you do have customers for sure who will specialize. I mean, there's guys that go back in the day like like who will specialize in, in particular conferences and stuff like that. And I think that's kind of a smart way to do it. There's just so much information out there in terms of trying to handicap all this stuff. But this is just a, a consistent winner in this case, but we do have guys who are – 
are you know specifically good at totals. Um, college basketball, you'll find that a lot. You'll find guys who are just really good at totals or e- even halftimes, guys who are just really, really good at college basketball halftime. So there are people out there who have a, a specific niche and there are other guys who are just really good. And, you know, you think about the, you know, the sharp guys and, and what they're, you know, what they win in terms of percentage wise, it's really, you know, I think most people would be surprised to know that like the winning percentage of sharps long term is not nearly as high. You know, it, you know, I would say a sharp guy who hits around 57 percent would be really, really happy with that. Whereas, a, you know, a, 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 what you want to call, you know, a square customer would just be like, wow, they would think it would be a much higher. But I that quote, I can't remember. It came from one of the guys in Vegas said that. The difference between 50, winning 53% and 55% is like swimming the Atlantic Ocean. It's just massive to your your bottom line. All right, so we transition over to the NFL side of things here for a few minutes, and we do have a little bit of sharp action to talk about for week one, and, and obviously we'll have a lot more as those games get closer. But before we get to that, Brent, I just want to ask, any futures exposure in the NFL that you're kind of keeping an eye on? And obviously more is likely to come as teams get through you know training camp and, and the uh, preseason games healthy. Yeah, I mean, the Super Bowl, you know, picking the winner in the Super Bowl is something that a, a lot of public guys like to get involved in. And it's always nice, you know, have, you know, hold on to that ticket. Like, you know, you know, like the, the guys who bet the, the Vegas Golden Knights in hockey, they're, they're not world season. I mean, you want to be that guy holding that ticket. So, you know, I think most people, you know, in terms of, of, of this, this, these futures, they look at things just kind of like it's more of a, you know, a fun bet. But you obviously want to find some value as well. Um, sharp guys don't tend to get in, that involved with the, the you know the long-term futures market. It's a case of just tying up bankroll as well. It's like if you have to look at your rate of return and could you invest that money elsewhere or do something else with it and get a higher return over the long term. So tying up your money for you know six months or what have you just doesn't you know just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for a lot of sharp guys. But every now and then you do get sharp sharp money on you know on futures. If guys are going to find like a, a diamond in the rough, they're obviously going to pick it up. Um, not surprisingly at all, probably the the most bets I have on the Super Bowl futures is on New England. Um, they're six to one this year, which is kind of a, you know a bit higher than that what they've normally been. I think last year we closed around like you know four four fifty while the you know about halfway through the regular season. So, you know they're just you know how, how do you kind of argue against the Patriots? It's just like they're they're always there, and of course the mentality going as well is that well maybe you can hedge back once they make the playoffs and like okay are they going to make the playoffs as well. They kind of always make the playoffs, don't they? Um, looking at our risk in terms of like what our, our biggest exposure right now, I mean, you've got a couple of long shots in there, but that's kind of typical. We're going to have, you know, like Cincinnati Bengals, for example, Miami Dolphins. Those have taken some, you know, decent sized bets. Um, so I've got some exposure on them, but kind of like one of the, I guess, you know, sneaky exposure teams, you might want to call it. Um, San Francisco. I've seen some like respectable money back on San Francisco, and uh, the Eagles getting some decent money as well. And again, you kind of figure if Wentz is healthy, they could, you know, they, they pretty much have the same kind of core team that went to, went to the Super Bowl. So I, I get that one for sure. Like I said I think San Francisco was kind of a sneaky one, um, but in terms of like bet count and popularity, we talked about the the Patriots having the most bets. Um, you know, the two teams who I would say are are really most in vogue this season in terms of futures, um, divisions, conference stuff are definitely the Colts. Uh, the public just loved the Colts and public loved the Browns too. And again, you know, I mean, really no surprise that they're going to be all over the Browns. But I, I think when a team gets as popular as kind of Cleveland has in, in the last kind of like half of the season and, and all the offseason and trades and stuff like that, that they made, they kind of lose some value in terms of betting value. But, you know, the, the flavor of the season really is, is totally the Colts and the Browns. Um, also got some decent support, like I said, for the Eagles, Bears, and Saints as usual. 
Yeah, the, the Browns thing as a Clevelander myself kind of does worry me. The fact that, I mean, they haven't even won the division in 30 years, let alone, you know, sniff the Super Bowl or anything like that. So uh, still an uphill climb for them and also a very brutal schedule. One thing I do want to ask, and, and I just <laughs> thought about this because I'm watching the odd screen light up a little bit here for the preseason. Do you find a lot of sharp action in the preseason? Yeah, I mean, we get, you know, we have to be so aggressive with preseason moves and stuff like that. And a lot of with preseason, it's less about, you know, matchups and stuff like that as it is about who's starting, you know, who's, you know, how many games a guy's going to go and stuff like that. Um, we did take sharp action on, on, you know, recording here on Thursday on preseason games. Uh, today, I took a couple sharp, um, sharp games, which was uh, Baltimore plus two at Philadelphia. I mean, that line's flipped all the way from Baltimore plus two to Baltimore minus five. I mean, you're just never going to find that during a regular season game. Well, hopefully never if we do our job right. Um, another one that's moved a lot is the Green Bay-Oakland game under 42 and a half. That's down to 39. That's the game that's at in Winnipeg, Canada. Um, Saturday, uh, Minnesota as well. Minnesota minus four and a half. That line's like six and six and a half market wide as well. So you definitely do get sharp action. And again, it's a lot of stuff in terms of being up on the information in terms of how many starters are going to play, how long the starters are going to go, coaching philosophy, all that kind of stuff. And I think the Ravens haven't lost a preseason game since Jesus was a boy and people just keep on betting them and they keep on winning. Now, one of the differences here about college football is that we haven't seen these teams. You know, for any week one sharp action or anything like that, we, it, it's kind of an unknown. I mean, obviously, you can watch spring practice and fall camps and whatever else and kind of read up on a lot of information. We haven't actually seen those teams in action. We have, however, seen the NFL teams in action here with the preseason games. So in terms of taking some early sharp action for week one, do you feel like you need to move a little more aggressively because we've at least got some data points for these players for this year? It's it's tough though really reading into the preseason too much because you look at, you know, again, it's like coaching philosophies and, and how long the starters go and like, you know, are, are your starters going against the other team starters and for how long? Okay, you you know, your starters lit them up but in the second quarter, but okay, you had the second string in there. So it's really tough to take preseason success and translate it to, you know, the regular season success. And you see that, I mean, baseball is a great example. You see teams who just, you know, do fantastic in, in spring training and then they flop when the regular season starts. All right, so we do have some sharp, some sharp action, excuse me, for week one that we want to touch on here real quickly. Game, uh, let's see here. 461-462 uh, is actually the first one by rotation number. This is some totals investment, San Francisco and Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> this one hasn't moved a ton. Uh, this number did open at 48.5, and, and it's up to 49.5 right now. I even see like some 49.5 over minus 15. So in a case like that, yeah, I was, why not just move to 50? But I'm staying at 49.5 with the market, but it was sharp money that came on the over 49. Uh, I didn't get that at 48.5. That was the opening number elsewhere. 49 is where I took sharp action. So uh, 49ers, over 49 is where, is where the first bet came. They're playing at Tampa Bay. The spread hasn't moved. Not a, not a blip. You got Tampa Bay favored by one at home to the Niners and you know if you look back I don't know if this is kind of a reflection of, of Tampa Bay and, and all the points that they put up last season um, Winston is kind of like the man in Tampa Bay now and San Francisco you got Jimmy G back at the helm so I kind of I kind of get where this one is going unless I mean Tampa Bay's defense is is, is you know suddenly changed immensely I, I think that probably is going to be a high scoring affair and I think it's probably you know just part of the, the public carryover as well is going to want to bet this one over well, and I guess, I mean, maybe it's not really up for you to decide. Maybe it doesn't really matter. But, you know, was this a numbers grab type thing or is this a true position expecting, you know, how these two teams are going to play? 
Yeah, I, I think this is probably, you know, judging by who bet it, it was more of a play where it's, this is kind of like a guy's going to hold his tick and not come back the other way. And again, it's just all about numbers, right? You've got to know, you know, a guy's going to have, this is what the number, you do your homework and say, this is the right number on this game. This is what I'm going to bet if, you know, and I got 48 and a half, I think the right number should be 51. So I'm going to play that. If this game goes up to 51, you say, wow, that guy was right. I'm not reading his mind and saying 51 was the number. But I'm saying that's, that's kind of like the rationale. If a guy finds value, he's going to bet it. There are people out there, you know, I've seen in the industry who guys who just grab both sides of a game. There's guys who've made a living doing that long term. It's a tough racket. I mean, it, that, that kind of business really is a grind, like trying to grind out, saying going, you know, over 48 and a half and trying to go under 51 and a half or under 50 and a half. That's, that's like a job. All right, one more game to talk about here for week one, then we'll let you go. Game 469-470, Detroit and Arizona. The Lions going out on the road. We've seen nothing from the Lions here in the preseason. Stafford hasn't played. Most of the defensive line hasn't played. Most of the skill guys haven't played. Not really stopping a sharp guy from grabbing them, though. Yeah, I mean, Detroit opened, uh, open, well, this game opened at a pick. Um, I got bet here, Detroit, <clears throat> minus one. They're on the road at Arizona. I'm kind of actually surprised by this one just because, I mean, Detroit was just, they were just not a very good team last season. And I, I'm not saying, uh, you know, Arizona was, but at least with Arizona, you've kind of got that that hype in terms of what they did uh, in terms of the offseason and the Kyra, you know, Kyler Murray and stuff like that. So you kind of got some, you know, you got reason to be excited about it, I guess you want to say. Whereas you're looking at Detroit, it's like, it's basically kind of like same old, same old. I mean, the coach is really on the hot seat and everything like that. You're talking about an Arizona team that, you know, only won three games last season. But, you know, Arizona is an interesting one. I, I just, I, I think what's going to happen for my end, I, again, I'm just looking at it. I think I'm going to end up with, with public money one way on Arizona and sharp money on Detroit. Now, again, they bet Detroit minus one. We're at two and a half right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if this one tucked, you know, kind of the tick back a bit down I mean, from two and a half down to maybe like two or one and a half and stuff like that back and forth. But I, I think I'm going to get public money on Arizona. just kind of a feeling. I, I think you're going to see kind of support for, you know, the coaching there and the new quarterback and stuff like that. There's just, just there seems to be a reason to get excited or is Detroit, you know, they, they look bad last year and they have, you know, they don't look a whole lot different this year, really. Last thing I want to ask you here, because the, the NFL futures and props market is, is still pretty active here at this point in time. When you see something like that, where Detroit, not a very good team going out on the road a long way and they take money here in this spot against Arizona. Do you have any sort of corollary effect to what you do with something like the Cardinals season win total or, you know, any of your thoughts about them going forward? No, you kind of just have to, you know, manage all these markets on their own. Um, you, you, like I said, with the Arizona, I just I had a feeling that they would get more action on the futures market than they did. I, I thought people would be kind of like more excited about them. Like, um, you know, the Jets are one of those teams as well. I just I kind of expected more enthusiasm or excitement about the Jets. And it just kind of, you know, maybe they've just been so bad for so long. People still aren't ready to jump on them. But I mean, they are ready to jump on on the Browns, for example. And, and the Colts, I guess people have a lot of faith in luck. I know they had a really good season last year. But, you know, the, the same kind of enthusiasm that, that you see with the Browns, I kind of expected the, the Jets to get, so I, I haven't seen that, and so you just kind of have to react to the money as it comes in. Um, you know, my exposure on the division, same thing. I mean, I've got, I've got, you know, sneaky, sneaky money on on San Francisco. I've got, you know, a lot of money on the Colts, and again, I think that probably, more, you know, market wide throughout all, all the futures markets, I think most, you know, most books in the industry are going to have exposure on the Colts. So with the Colts, yeah, you, there's one of those things where it's, you know, the support has been from the division, the conference, the Super Bowl. You get, you are going to 
kind of you know weigh that in terms of where the money comes in. Um, you you know you see they play the the Chargers opening week. There's really not an opening number on that one yet. So it's gonna be interesting. That's gonna be a good kind of litmus test. Um, I, I think just touching on on the uh, you know that market, I think the you know the Packers are one of those teams as well where I've kind of seen you know sneaky smart money on 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 Green Bay. I've seen a lot of public money on Chicago. So that's one something that's like week one. I'm going to be looking out for that number did open Chicago at home three and a half. It's kind of crept down to Green Bay three uh, minus one fifteen now is where it is. So Chicago's minus three minus one fifteen from opening at three and a half. So that's kind of a, a significant move from the three and a half down to the three. So I'm going to be interested. In to see if that goes, you know, that can kind of continues the trend in terms of the future market, reflecting the fact that I'm going to get public money on Chicago and sharp money on on Green Bay for that Thursday game. Well, I'm definitely happy to be bringing this segment back, Brent, because this is my favorite thing about the industry, watching the market, studying the market, trying to understand everything that's going on. And fortunately, we've got you to shed a lot of light on it for us. So thank you so much once again for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again next week. Looking forward to another season, Adam. Thanks for having me on.